0: everybody so happy new year to everybody i hope everybody out there has had a great holiday season i'm sure many of you have thought about new year's resolutions and such but you know what you're perfect just the way you are well i guess some people listening may not be the uh, most wonderful people say some of my haters could be listening to this okay so maybe some people out there have room for improvement no i'm just kidding I know I have room for improvement as well. My hope is to spend 2024 focusing on standing up for what is right, using this podcast to reach others, and making sure to remember my own worth. I tend to lose my focus and settle for things or people in my life that just aren't good enough, and I need to change that. Anyway, so on to today's episode, Um, I have been chatting with a new friend that I met who does his own podcast, and I'm actually going to be a guest on his show soon, but in talking with him about what I do next or what the next few episodes look like, we thought I should just go chronologically through the dominoes that fell over the last three years taking me through actual hell. We've discussed a lot about how am I still standing, (laughs) how am I still, overall, I try to be positive about being alive, about being a teacher, or still being in the education field, about finding love even after losing love, all the things that destroyed me, like how am I not just in bed having a pity party? Trust me, some days I am, some days I stay in bed. But the majority of time, I'm up and at it. And that's the thing I want people to come away with. You can get knocked down, not once, but over and over. And it's up to you if you get back up and how it makes you handle the rest of your life. So the next few or maybe many episodes will be about me getting knocked down. But I got back up again. So my dominoes began three years ago with the school that I worked at. And I know you can just Google and see what school it is. But anyway, um, then cancer's attack on my family. Then round two with my school. Then the traumatic death of my husband. And with widowhood came bereavement. Then the death of my brother. So more grief. And then grief recovery. Within all of this trauma, I still had stuff from my stepkids, and years later, now even, like, being a 50-year-old widow trying to date? Good golly, that has dominoes of its own. So, so many things to talk about. So many reasons to hate life and be angry, yet I really truly do still feel blessed to be alive and healthy, and I truly believe that this podcast will reach someone who needs to hear, that they too can still be standing after all the dominoes fall. So today, let's get into the first of at least a two-part series about my career situation, about me feeling under attack with false allegations, political discrimination, gender discrimination, the list goes on and on. I am going to be retelling what happened to me, things that were said to me directly in meetings, meetings that I have recorded, Well, most of them recorded because that's a whole nother story in itself. Um, I've gone through some of the meetings that I've transcribed. I'm trying to get everything as factually correct as I can. I'm going to mention some stories that students have told me directly without mentioning any names. Um, I'm telling my story for the sake of my healing, for the sake of giving others hope that the worst is never the last. I'm in no way trying to get anyone in trouble or adversely affect anyone. I'm just being real about literally what destroyed me. I mean, well, <laughs> it's all perspective, right? But at the time, I thought I thought what was happening to me at this school was going to be the demise of me. So a little bit of background. At the time, I was a full-time high school math teacher at an affluent private school here in Kansas City, 25 years of service, 25 years of glowing evaluations from my superiors and my peers, which, of course, I still have copies of. (laughs) I'm telling you, sometimes when I'm looking through all the bad stuff, I honestly, I kind of have to pull out some of those evaluations just to remind myself that the bad was not true, like (laughs) that... I did do good things. Um, anyway, 25 years of dedicating my life to making that school a place where my students not only learn math, but also experience the social side of high school, which I feel is so incredibly important. In my time at that school, I was in charge of many things outside of the classroom. The pep club, so all the spirit staff, the pep assemblies, homecoming events, all of that. Um, I coached cheerleading for years. I was in charge of the junior class for a bit. I was in charge of the senior class for a bit. I was the conservative club sponsor for over 20 years, which that's an important piece of the story that that was part of my job. Uh, Many years, I was the director of activities. So not only was I sponsoring my own clubs, but I was also overseeing all of the other club sponsors. I was the prom coordinator for many, many years. Prom actually was my Anil's second date. So anyway, you get the picture. I did not just walk in school, teach my classes, and then leave. I, like most teachers, put in many hours outside of the classroom doing all of these other things. But I did it all because I loved my kids. And I wanted them to have a well-rounded high school experience. Now, I also wanted my faculty to have a positive experience. So I made myself kind of the unnamed social chair of the school. So I would plan social gatherings, happy hours for faculty. Um, I was constantly trying to keep our faculty lounge like clean and updated so that people felt it was a good space to come to. I was just trying to do little things to make their lives a little bit better. Uh, This school was made up of two different campuses, one with ages two and a half to fifth grade, and then the other campus, which I was on, was from sixth to twelfth grade. And I did all I could to try to find ways for the campuses to unite, like for the ways for the little kids and big kids to come together. Uh, One of those big things was I started an annual homecoming parade, like maybe my second year at the school. And so I would take this parade from our campus to the other campus and do a fire truck at cheerleaders and king and queen candidates. And the little kids just loved it. So when the new headmaster came a year or two before my situation, I actually volunteered myself to help him with his like one school campaign. Like we tried to make it one school, one community, all these little things and, um, I jumped right on that because I wanted the school to be a better place. I wanted it to be all it could be. I wanted everybody to enjoy it, basically. So many things outside the scope of my job requirements that I did happily. And, you know, ironically, (laughs) there's this fancy magazine that was annually sent out to the community, the alums, all of that, just with updates on everything, updates on the school. And I think it has in there like budgeting stuff. I don't remember. But anyway, I was actually flipping through this magazine as I waited outside the headmaster's office one day awaiting my fate, basically. And I'm flipping through this magazine and boom, my picture's in it. It's me displaying like my school spirit, these shirts that we had done. And I was just like, this is so ironic that I'm in this magazine that goes all over the country, probably as kind of a spokesman or a cheerleader for the school yet here I am possibly losing my job over a Facebook post. Okay, that's jumping ahead. So let me go back. Okay, so you have an image now. So with that image of the time and effort and heart that I put in that school, I never ever thought that my character, my commitment to the school's values, any of that would come under attack. So here we go. While dedicating my days and, my in- and many evenings to the school, I spent a great deal of time outside of the school discussing current politics and social situations. Our world was changing before my eyes, and as the years went by, I became an outspoken supporter for conservative values. I am pro-gun. I am pro-life. I am pro-religion. I am pro-freedom of speech. I am anti-cancel culture. You get the picture. Around the time that Trump got into politics, as we all know, everyone felt the unrest, the divide between parties, the lack of not only tolerance in our nation, but the inability to have respectful discourse. Um, like I said, cancel, cancel culture was being born. Um, I began getting verbally attacked multiple times at work by peers about being a Trump supporter. I, there were times I had to leave the lunch table because people would kind of come at me like, how could you? And how do you explain this? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it. Like I'm at school. I'm at tea. I, I'm at lunch. I report this behavior to my principal. At one point, I was even in tears trying to explain to him that myself and another coworker who was conservative, this other coworker would like text me and be like, meet me outside, I've got to talk because he just had to like get out of his department, what was going on and just kind of just kind of let it go and talk. So I told my principal about all of this. And with all these things coming at me, I focused on keeping all of that out of my classroom, unless it was during a conservative club meeting my classroom was just for math, not politics, not religion, not sexual orientation. None of that mattered to good old math. This was not the case for other teachers. Um, as the head of the conservative club, we would hold meetings, and I got told story after story about kids feeling silenced, kids having grades change if they would change their views, Um, I was told about kids being told the first day of class, quote, it is a fact that Trump is a coward. Students then told me a story that said, um, oh, I'm sorry, it was that student, as I'm getting my stories right here, as I'm writing, looking at my notes. Students told me that on the first day of class, a teacher came in and said, quote, it is a fact that Trump is a coward. That student then said, At that moment, I knew that I needed to keep my political opinions to myself and be sure to write papers that fit my teacher's views, not my own. Or another story I was told by a student about being in a science class just after the election, and the students in the class started having a conversation about how glad they were that Trump lost, how he's a racist and other hateful things. The teacher in the room, along with another staff member who actually was observing that day, were congratulating the students for being, quote, smart enough to vote out Trump. Or another time when a member of the faculty and staff was sitting at an open mic event and a student got up to go speak, and this faculty or staff member said to the student, quote, don't be going up there spewing any of that conservative sense. I reported all of these stories to the principal. That's important. I was very transparent with our principal about the inappropriateness of conservative students feeling silenced and the inappropriateness of faculty members saying these, sta- these things in the classroom, in the school. It's just not appropriate. The day after Trump was elected, a young student came into my office and I shared my office with like four other math teachers. And this young lady came in and went up to one of my coworkers, and they were having a meeting during what we called meetings period. It was a free time that people, they could have their little club meetings. Anyway, they were having a meeting because Trump had just won and they wanted to have kind of a group discussion. And they were asking for an adult to basically come and make sure that it was respectful and all that. This faculty member, turned to this young lady and said, you're going to ask, you're going to have to ask someone else because I am on a spiral of depression and have lost all faith in humanity. I was in shock. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe that he had just said this, this little girl, and her face was just like, okay, and she turned around and walked away. So I got up and I ran after her. And I honestly, I said, that was completely inappropriate. That should never have been said to you. That's not how adults should behave. I will be at the meeting. Again, I reported this to our principal. These are just a few of the stories that I have about conservative students feeling silenced, but nothing happening to the adults doing it. And again, I'm not doing this talk to get people in trouble. It's all about how I was treated completely different. The faculty at that school are amazing human beings. They are some of the most dedicated individuals I've ever met in my life. So this is nothing about bashing them. This is about painting a picture of how my administration treated me completely different than other teachers and how consequences of my actions were a hundred times worse than any consequences anybody else got. Anyway, I digress. So I do my thing, all those things for 25 years, rah, rah, all the things, right? Great evaluations, people come visit my class all the time, all the things. Then COVID hits. We're at home from March 2020 until August of 2020. Throughout COVID, I worried a lot about how quickly the world shut down, how quickly we were told, you can't go to school, you can't go to church, you can't gather with your family. But wait, You can go to the liquor store. I mean, that never shut down, right? I felt the world was blindly following government mandates. I would see things on social media that would either enrage me or engage me. So I did get more sucked into social media. My husband and I would go for a walk each day and sometimes talk about our concerns over the shutdowns. One day, we were on our walk, and we discussed a meme that someone had shared on Facebook. And I'm going to describe this meme for you as best I can. So it's a black background, and there is a picture in the middle of the meme of railroad tracks leading to what we assume is Auschwitz. And then it says, the horrific truth is... And then below the picture, it says... If people were told to get into boxcars to be taken to virus protection camps, many of them would rush to get in line. So my husband and I talked about the meme and we talked about how America is currently blindly following the government. We weren't questioning things. We were allowing the government to tell us, like I said, if we can go to school, if we can go to church. I remember being told how many people we could take to the grocery store with us making us wear masks. And all of it was causing such a division in our country. Those that followed blindly or those that questioned. Those that questioned in some instances were seen by other people. I'll even go so far as to say some were being called murderers. They were being accused of not caring about the spread of COVID or They, I remember people seeing things and people yelling at people that didn't want to wear a mask and them saying, you don't care, you don't care about killing old people. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, our country, I'll say our country more than the world was probably divided, but I'm just going to talk about our country. I felt our country was so incredibly divided. And it's dumb, because it became political, right? It became, oh, if you're a liberal, then you follow all the mandates and you always wear a mask and you're going to get all the vaccines and you care about lives and you care, you believe in COVID and you want you want to save everybody's life. And then it kind of became, ooh, if you're conservative, no, you don't believe in it and you're not going to get vaccinated and and we're going to buck up to the man and not wear a mask and all this kind of stuff. And it became so dumb because it, it wasn't, it shouldn't have been divided like that. Anyway, I digress. So husband and I were kind of talking about how crazy things were, right? And then we started talking about how, and thinking about the meme and stuff, that we started talking about, it, it reminded us of like the Nazis following Hitler. I mean, you had this group of people being brainwashed by Hitler into believing that certain people were not following the government orders. Certain people were not clean. Certain people were not what the government wanted. And what did they do? Hitler freaking convinced the Nazis to exterminate these people. I mean, it's horrific. And so Neil and I started talking about, God, is the past going to start repeating itself? Like, this is crazy. This is how our society was acting you know, hanging on Fochi's every word. You can't leave home. You can't see family. You can't, you can only take one person to the store. You're not allowed to go in the store without a mask. And millions of people were doing it without question. Not caring. I won't say not caring. Not openly talking about the negative effects of all this. Not questioning things. Not questioning the government. And I felt like when you did question the government, You were like this horrible person. But anyway, so to Neil and I, as we talked about this, there were some people that if they had been told about a virus protection camp, yeah, they would jump in line. They'd be like, oh, the government tells me to do this. The government tells me that I'm going to go do that, blah, blah, blah. So as the meme said, if people were told to get into boxcars to be taken to virus protection camps, many of them would rush to get in line. So that's the story behind the meme and what Neil and I had talked about. And a couple of weeks later, in August of 2020, another friend posted the same meme. And I was like, oh my God, Neil, here's that that meme we were talking about. So I just hit share, believing that what it was saying was that we cannot blindly follow government control. Government mandates are not good. They lead to disaster. That was my thought. Okay. Immediately, I got backlash from two alumni, one of which had been harassing me for months about politics. Oh, my goodness. This person even went so far as to bully my sweet mother on social media. (laughs) I was told many times to unfriend her, but I'll be totally honest with you. She was a woman of color, and with the way the world was, I feared I would be accused of unfriending due to race instead of the fact that I was unfriending her due to her being a bully. As soon as she and one other young lady said that this meme was somehow anti-Semitic, I was in shock. I took it down. I privately privately messaged the two of them asking about their point of view. They read it as me saying the Jewish people were blindly following to their death. And that is something that never one second entered my mind, ever. Never entered my mind in one millimeter of a second did I ever Read the meme to be anti Semitic. Complete opposite. It was supposed to be anti Hitler, anti Nazi. Anyway, while I did not understand their viewpoint, I respected it. And I'm always going to respect anybody's religion and their feelings towards the religion, about the religion. Don't want to disrespect that ever. So I took it down. I apologized. With one of these people, I had a good discussion on Facebook Messenger, which I still had to this day because I figured I'd need it for proof sometime. And that was that. Little did I know that this woman, young lady, had uh, who had been out to get me for years due to my political affiliation, had screenshotted it and had began the witch hunt against me. Now, she denies that she did this, but Telling you right now that I already have been shown a message from her with it saying basically, let's get her. Okay. Or can you believe she did this? Blah, blah, blah. So she was lying. She definitely did screenshot and send it out. Um, after, so not long after this, I received a message from my principal wanting to discuss some Facebook posts. That's how it was said. So before I talked to him, I called this alumni. And I just kind of wanted to prepare myself, like, okay, is this about, what is this about? What meme is this about? You know, cause I am very, I was very open on my Facebook about being again pro life, pro gun, pro Trump, um, pro my religious beliefs. So I was like, you know, what am I looking at? So I called this chick because I was like, did, do I need to know something? Like, is there something out and about there that's causing a ruckus? And she's like, not that I did. Not that I know of. Da, da, da. And I'm like, hmm So that's enough. Okay. So what was interesting about this first interaction with my principal and the head of HR, and this was on the phone because, you know, it was COVID, so we couldn't really meet. But first off, why was HR involved? I mean, with me knowing all the things that other teachers had said and done, And they had never been called in by HR that I'm aware of, but now some post on my personal Facebook, I'm having HR involved. The other interesting thing is the principal mentioned that post. We talked about it for maybe five, maybe 10 minutes, and then he moved on to a different post. Like, we talked about that post, and I explained what I meant by it, and this, that, and he's like, oh, I can kind of see that. And he's like, well, can you see how it could be read this way? He's like, well, I've actually talked to those alumni, and that was it. He moved on to this other post that was about AOC, and it was about, I don't know, she was outside the Capitol, and and somebody called her a bitch. That's what it was. And everybody was like, they're only calling her a bitch because she's a woman, and da-da-da-da-da. And I commented about it. And I was like, well, maybe she got called a bitch because she was being a bitch. I was like, we don't have to always say this is because you're a woman or this is because you are whatever. How about sometimes we just call a spade a spade and maybe she was being a bitch. Anyway, he got on me about being i mean he was all up in arms about how can i possibly stand for some a woman being called out of her name and all of this stuff and i'm like well hold on i think first off i was like i know i can't sit here and say that i've never called somebody that name and i'm pretty sure everybody on this phone call has called somebody else out of their name so i'm not going to be the one to be a hypocrite here And I was like, second, I am always going to say that we should not be judged or defined by our gender, but instead by our behavior. I mean, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, we need to be judged by the content of our character. That's what matters. Sadly, in today's society, it's the opposite. Character isn't the judging factor. Now we are looked at in Everything is determined by our gender, our race, our religion, our sexual orientation. It goes on and on and on. And I really feel like Martin Luther King Jr. would be so disappointed in everybody. Anyway, so that was the main focus. Not the meme that the two alums had told me they saw as anti-Semitic. Yet I intended to be that not to be anti-Semitic. I obviously said it was supposed to be about blindly following government control. No, it was about that supposedly the whole issue was about me not standing against AOC being called a bitch okay so I got off the phone with him and I discussed with my husband this was just one more time of being treated unfairly by my principal I had met with my principal multiple times about multiple things and I just felt that there had been a turn in his behavior towards me a turn in his leadership a turn in how I felt women were being treated. Um, He had harshly admonished a female faculty member in a meeting with many people witnessing. Um, I believe it was the spring right before this. I mean, so much that people called this woman afterwards and asked if she was okay. Um, He brushed aside ideas from females in meetings. Um, Even this conversation... I felt I was not being taken the same for multiple reasons, be it a woman, be it a conservative, then others would have been treated in this conversation. And even this conversation overall had to do with my politics, because had it been Candace Owen being called the B word, there have been no issues. I guarantee there'd be no issues because she's conservative. So I just didn't feel that I was being treated fairly or objectively. And I had defended this person over and over to other people because I had known him for many years. And so when people would come to me and be like, ooh, don't trust or ooh, not being fair or ooh, watch out, I was always the one like, no, no, we know him and da-da-da. But now I was feeling it. I was feeling the, the discrimination firsthand, and it made me really uncomfortable. So after this talk with Neil, I immediately scheduled a meeting with my head of HR because I wanted to file an actual complaint. I looked up the process and for grievances, and that's what I did. So um during that call with my head of HR, We discussed everything, like I went through all my issues. I told her I wanted my concerns documented about being treated differently than a man in my position, as well as due to my political affiliation. I wanted it on record about what the male faculty had said and done in the classroom, politically motivated and having zero repercussions that I knew of. I wanted it to be shown that that happened, but here I'm on my personal Facebook page discussing religious beliefs, political beliefs, personal views, and here I'm being called by principal and head of HR. I wanted it written about my concerns about women. It was a very strong belief that women were being paid less than their male counterparts, and I had brought this up to my principal on multiple occasions, one of which I knew for a fact that a male that was at the school the exact same time as me I knew he was being paid more than me. And so I asked my principal to look into things. And he came back and said to my face, there is no one here of your ten- tenure making more than you. And I knew that was a lie. So I brought that up. I mean, multiple things. There was even, I, I brought up to my head of HR, this, again, me being treated differently than a male, this time the male being my principal. So I had gotten multiple complaints from students and parents because graduation ceremony in May of 2020, um, it was held off campus, I could not be there because I had COVID, I watched it on TV, and the principal was in charge of approving the students' speeches. Well, It turns out that one of the students got up and during their speech said, and I quote, We must protest in the streets and elsewhere, this corrupt administration. Like Putin, Trump is a narcissistic demagogue who is willing to sacrifice the integrity of our government and elections for personal gain while abusing military force to oppress along the way. That was allowed to be said from the stage at graduation when the principal was in charge of approving these speeches. So again, I ask, how is that okay? But I am being called out and reprimanded and being spoken to by the head of HR for a Facebook post on my personal page that I'm not friends on social media with any current students. It's not being said in my classroom. It's not, and I didn't say anything like intentionally bad. So, all of these things, among other things, I brought up and I said, I am filing a formal complaint. Let me say that no one ever followed up with me. So, I can only assume that nothing ever came of it. All right. So, it wasn't long before I am asked to Zoom with the headmaster, about my Facebook. In a very short time, I guess, this post had gotten around, the first meme, not the AOC one, and now he was calling because alums had come out of the woodwork and made damaging false allegations against me. One Zoom led to another, both of which left me feeling completely beaten down. Many things were so hurtful. I mean, there were so many BS accusations. Mind you, they were usually from people who, well, let me say this. The accusations were first off from people who they, quote, couldn't disclose names. But they were lies that I actually could prove. For instance, a young man said that one year I planned prom on a Jewish holiday. And when he approached me about it, I allegedly said, too bad, so sad, life goes on for non-Jews. Like, what? I, I, it, it threw me back. I was told his approximate year of graduation. So here's what I did. I went back to that year, two years before that year, two years after that year, just to be safe. Because who knows if years have been gotten wrong. And there were zero Jewish holidays anywhere near those prom dates. I already knew that it couldn't be the case because I worked very hard at picking prom dates to not conflict with any holidays. So it literally could not have happened. It, it just could not have happened. There were no Jewish holidays around any prom dates in like a five or six year span of this child being in high school it just can not happen. And I remember, I think it was when I was talking to the attorney from Pepperick. I remember restating this and the attorney going, well, Beth, I mean, he just swears that it happened. I'm like, but it couldn't have. <laughs> it literally could. It could not have happened. <sighs> so anyway, that alum obviously was lying on me. Another boldface lie that was thrown at me was that some alum supposedly said that I had been known for drinking alcohol with the high schoolers, specifically with certain basketball players back in the days when we won state and I was the cheer coach. This is so, so ridiculous for so many reasons. First off, all of my students were well aware of my stance on no drinking in high school. I didn't do it. I didn't believe in it. So much so that I made the school buy me a breathalyzer for me to use at proms because I was worried about the kids coming to prom drunk. Whew, it pissed off the kids, but that's how strongly I was against the drinking. Second, the years we went to state were like 97, 98, 99. Two of those three years, I was pregnant, literally pregnant the whole school year. I got pregnant in July, and I was due in April. And then the one in between, I sure the heck was out drinking with teenagers because I had a baby at home. I mean, simply no way this was true. I mean, not to mention, I remember going to graduation parties for these kids and they were thrown by their parents. It was not like the kid party or whatever, but I would go to these parties and I specifically remember one time that I walked up to a young lady and she had been given alcohol by her family and that's their own choice, their own decision. That's up to you. But she hid her alcohol from me because she knew that I was against it. So she was being respectful and put it aside while she was talking with me. And then, lastly, the certain uh, very well known basketball player in question, still a friend to this day. And when all of this was said about me, he actually wrote an email to the headmaster stating that it was false, that I never, ever drank with him in his high school. So, again, here's all these factual evidence that this could not be true. And do you think? that the administration ever once said to me, oh my gosh, Beth, we are so sorry that you're being falsely accused. Of course, we don't believe this garbage. No, to this day, I honestly think they believe it. Like even with all this evidence of of how it just couldn't possibly have been true. Oh my gosh. And in that first call, by the way, I was told by the headmaster that my shared meme had affected the Jewish community of the school, like the relationship of the school with the Jewish community. And he literally said to me, I'm just not sure that you can repair that. Basically, like call number one, he was going to fire me. I was in shock. I I mean, I was in tears. I was physically sick about the lies, about the accusations. I mean, I was begging for my job. I could not believe this was happening to me. He said he wanted a few days to think about it, and but, I mean, I didn't go to opening meetings or anything. I wasn't supposed to, like, discuss anything with anyone. I remember crying and crying to Neil and my family. I mean, the horrible lies that just a few people said about me. After I dedicated my life to so many kids, I, I mean, I thought my world was crashing down. I mean... Little did I know (laughs) that you get a whole new perspective as as more dominoes fell. Anyway, after multiple talks, um, I was allowed back to school. But I did have to sign agreement with certain requirements. And this is important because the next time I talk about all this with the future domino that was the big one, it's related to this and related to um, basically the school's reaction to when they found out about the meme, okay? So here is what the agreement said. It said, um, between myself and the school, it said that I was agreeing to the following. You will post an apology taking ownership of what you have posted on your Facebook page in the form and using the language mutually agreed upon. This will be done prior to coming onto campus again. Number two. At the school's request, you will be required to meet with members of the community that were offended. Number three, you will work to mend relationships and perceptions of the blank community due to the damage of your social media posts. You will represent our core mission, vision, and values in your work and when you represent yourself as a teacher at the blah, blah, blah school. This work will be done all year. Number 4. You will complete sensitivity sensitivity and educational classes on DEI and the Holocaust as designated by school. This will need to begin immediately and will be ongoing. Okay? At this point, I needed my job, my income. I wanted my job. I missed my students. I loved my faculty. I put aside standing up for what was right which honestly would have been not apologizing for something I didn't do um tell him to shove it is what it would have been nice but anyway I needed to get back to work I mean it's August right I mean we have bills to pay we have what was I going to do so I wrote a statement basically the head of HR rewrote it I posted it whatever Um, I did meet with a family. It was two parents. I met with them. And the mom pretty much laid into me. It's sure it it was true. It was it was pretty tough, but I got through it. And it's honestly crazy because she ended up being one of my biggest advocates later down the road. Oh my gosh. So I did all the things. Oh, and before coming to this agreement with the admin, before even meeting with the headmaster, like after i had already talked to the principal, I, on my own, had reached out to members of the Jewish community that I knew from teaching their kids. I wanted to try to understand, and I wanted to try to make things right. Excuse me, sorry. One of these families became kind of my go-between, the go-to between myself and some of the members of the Jewish community. He first informed me that, yeah, he had heard all about the posts and it had been passed around. He also said he had heard people say, quote, we can't get her on her politics, but we can get her on religion. Yeah. So I was up against that. And I'll tell you what, when I brought that comment up in other meetings with my administration, they actually laughed at me, literally chuckled at me. And we're like, Oh, Beth, come on. I'm like, whatever. You obviously haven't lived as a conservative. Anyway, this friend of mine also felt that if I did write like a heartfelt letter explaining my position, that that'd be helpful. So I was more than happy to do that. I I never want to hurt anyone. I never, ever would bash or disrespect anybody's religion. So I had no, tro- no problem trying to make this right. And I wanted people to understand my intent behind the post. It was anti-Hitler, definitely not anti-Semitic. It was anti-government mandates. But anyway... So I bring that up because I was later told by the headmaster that he wished I had not done that. He wished I had not reached out to the community. So I'm like, good grief, I can't do anything right. Okay, so I signed the agreement. And now back to school. I wanted to walk in from the jump and tell my classes what had happened. I wanted to talk about the lesson in all of this about hitting share too quickly <laughs> and how things can be read so differently by different people and how at age 47, I mean, we still get a bit, we still get bit in the butt by social media. I want to be transparent like I always try and be and address it and move forward. Nope, not allowed. This lack of transparency would really cause a problem, not only for me, but for the school come second semester when the other ball dropped. But nope, it was like some big secret, yet, I mean, I knew it. I I mean, I felt that many people were talking about it. You know how people pass things around. I had been told by that friend of mine that it hadn't been passed around the Jewish community. So I I didn't know what to do, but all I could do was just try and ignore it and not, like, defend myself, not address it, just do my job. That seems easy enough, right? <laughs> Well, not when people are out to get you. My first days back, so this was post-COVID, we were not allowed to teach content the first week of school. Yeah, you hear me right. We were coming back from homeschool world and administration felt we should take time and ease the kids back in for the first week. <laughs> no content. So the first day I did an introduction thing where everyone took the letters in their first name to describe something about themselves. And so I kicked it off, right? So I did Reams instead of Beth. Um so for R I did Raiders and I talked about my school spirit and what all I was in charge of and what I was active in and how important I thought that was. For my E, I did extrovert, talked about being energetic and talkative and blah blah blah. For A, I did antibodies because I talked about having already had COVID. Because at this time you have to remember that COVID was new. And so everybody thought it was a death sentence. Everybody you know, and it was for many. I'm not, I I have people very important in my life that died of COVID. So I'm not downplaying it, but I wanted the kids to know my experience with it and that I had the antibodies. So that's why I use it for A, because back at this time, it was told to us that once you have it, you have the antibodies, you can't get it again. And not only that, that you could donate your blood and get these antibodies to others to help cure. Well, now we see how that's gone down. But anyway, my M was for music. I talked about my love of music, loving live music, country music, and then I always like to throw in the fact that I grew up with Tech 9 and blah, blah, blah. So then S, I did safety and security because I talked about my dedication to keeping them safe, to keeping the school safe, to like keeping the community safe, and different trainings I had been through from emergency responder to concealed carry to even like chainsaw um, training and being an emergency responder for my church disaster response team all these things um, and basically I was just saying to them that I have a passion for that I take it seriously and like if anything god forbid bad were to happen I hope they're here with me because I feel like I, I trained myself to protect them and we all got to know each other so it seems harmless enough right Yeah, wrong. Not when you have people out to get you. 3.30. Phone call from a principal. Like I'm literally, I think it was 3.30, maybe 4, because I was walking out to my car. Parent had complained about what I said. And I'm like, what do you mean? All we did was get to know each other. Well, according to them, the parent did not like me saying that I had my concealed carry. Because, oh my gosh, is she going to bring a gun to school? I literally could not. I'm like, are you kidding me? I I didn't even know what to say. I was like, you realize that this has to be one of those people that were out to get me. They're just looking for a reason to get me in trouble. That's had to be what it was. (sighs) So annoying. So for weeks after this, I did all of my stuff. I did my meetings. I worked hard to prove to the family of concern that... Religion had no bearing on my class, had no bearing on the teaching of math, had no bearing on how I treat your child. I do not know which of my students are Jewish. I do not care what their religion is. It does not matter when I'm teaching them trigonometry. I did everything I was supposed to do. I really enjoyed my meetings with lovely women from the JCRB and the MCHE, the two groups who led me in discussing the Jewish faith and anti-Semitism. They led me to believe by their words and everything that they did not think my intent was anti-Semitic. They did not think I was anti-Semitic. And they even expressed their interest in wanting me to be like on the committee at school to try and fight anti-Semitism and teach about it and this, that, and the other. Seemed like everything was moving in the right direction. This was just a bump in the road that I'd gotten over, right? Then on September 2nd, 2020, I get a text from my mom that my brother had been diagnosed with esophageal cancer. The next domino had hit. I'll get into more of that later, but I say that because that was a pivotal time that I had thought my world was kind of crashing around me when everything happened with my job. But on September 2nd, my entire focus became health and family and cancer, and treatment, and prayer, and healing. My Facebook page turned into my way of keeping people informed, of asking for prayers, of throwing as much love out there as possible to my family and friends, and trying to encourage others to embrace and enjoy their loved ones and their health and be appreciative, because it can change all in a minute. I say all of this because there is not one post from August forward about politics, or anything else unrelated, the journey of my family. My classroom became a focus on family. I remember I had all of my students bring pictures of them with a loved one, and we made our bulletin board a family-first dynamic. That's what I wanted everyone to remember. So it's September. I'm walking on eggshells at work, spending every bit of my energy praying for my brother to beat cancer. I'm still being harassed at work over my political affiliation. I'm still trying to support my students in every way I can. I'm trying to be a voice for my conservative kids. I'm trying to do all the things, not to mention teaching in a mask with plexiglass around every desk, being COVID tested every Tuesday, having already had COVID once. I mean, what could possibly hit me next? That, my friends, is episode six. I'll just say, when the Kansas City Star decides to print your post, with your name, within an article about anti-Semitism, I mean, all hell breaks loose, friends. All hell breaks loose. So with that, <laughs> whoo, that was a long one, and I'm so sorry, and who knows if you're still with me, but that is how it began that was the first and second I guess domino that began about three years ago and again it just even then it between the lies against me the mistreatment I endured and a cancer diagnosis I thought all of that were the worst things that could happen. And turns out, they weren't. So, thank you for listening. I'm sorry it was long, but um yeah, that's how it all began. So much love to all of you, and the next one will be a doozy as well. Have a wonderful day, y'all.